Just getting set up here. <coughs> oh, I, knew I knew the volume was going to be on there. All right, welcome, welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. <coughs> so I did not finish Ephesians last night, unfortunately. Uh, I did stay up till about 6 a.m. working on it, and then I, I woke up at about 10, so I am a little bit sleep-deprived, and... Uh, it's, it's working out okay. So, uh, things you should know. The Holy Spirit is a very, very lovely lady, female. She is the feminine aspect of the Trinity, right? Feminine aspect of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? So understand that's important. And another thing you should know is that the love of God is what the religion is, what the faith is all about, right? So, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend and what I was speaking to my friend uh, was that in a church, right, churches are supposed to be houses of healing and prayer. Now, some people go and make them dens of thieves, right? But they are supposed to be houses of healing and prayer. Not so much financially centered, right? So if you see a church that has 45 adult missionaries and makes 61 million a year, that is out of alignment. <laughs> that is, uh, it's less than 10% of uh, all that the church is getting going towards their missionaries. That is out of alignment, right? And so interestingly enough, if you look at the Old Testament, where the uh, principle, when the where the doctrine of tithing was first established, you look at it, the 10% that go from Christians, right, goes from our pockets, out of our, out of God's grace, out of God, our own goodwill, right, our own free will, into the pockets of the orphans, the Levites, the widows, and the foreigners. Interestingly enough, there is no church, there is no church, no building in that, in that, uh, tithe, original tithe. And in fact, if you look in the Bible, you will not find anyone saying that, hey, the buildings are what we what we build. No, it's not buildings that Christians are interested. It is love. It is the people. It is God's holy flock. It is those sealed by God's hand and the calling of all the nations of the earth into God's holy ways. That is what Christians are about. We're about loving each other. It's not so much about the building. In fact, if a man built a God, a glorious house, a five, ten, a hundred million dollar house, and that house burned down, but none of God's children who were in that house suffered, you can bet that the Lord God of Israel would be rejoicing on that day. It is not about finance. It is about love. It is not about power structures or renown or glory in a church that one may receive from working for God, but it is about the congregation, the community, the love, the self-betterment. Iron sharpens iron. Christians help each other. When we are in church, if the flock, if the congregation is not communicating, if they are not 
conjoined as one body, if they are not speaking, if they are not thriving, it's a dead church. And indeed, it is no church at all. So whose job is it to get these principles into motion, to get these unstoppable principles, the ways of the Lord God of Israel into a church and flowing into that church out into the world? It is God's. It is ours. It is the flocks. It is everyone's, right? In accordance in accordance with the level of responsibility that they have been assigned. It's your job. It's my job. It's everybody's job. And God helps out. But if you're saying, nah, God, I don't want to do that, then what God is hearing is, I don't want to do that, right? So understanding that is, is often how God chooses to work not he has to work that way no god god works he's sovereign right god is sovereign his will is sovereign over all creation indeed over existence itself that is who god is that is who you have working with you a god of love that is going for your goals that is helping you that is putting the wind in your sails, so to speak, as you walk through the trials of your life, as you walk through the days of your life, as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because God is with you. That is who God is. That is where God likes to stay. Helping us, nurturing us, teaching us, guiding us. And interestingly enough, One of the verses in Ephesians speaks about imitating God. We are to imitate God. When we see God gifting a a blessing of benevolence, when we see God leading, when we see God helping other people for no reason, for no reason but just for the sake of helping them, now that is goodness. Now that is righteousness. And that is what we as Christians are called to seek. We're called to seek and imitate the ways of the Holy God, the one true living celestial, the Lord of all heaven, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God himself, God on high. That is who Christians serve. It is why we drop our lives and not just walk to the will of God, but we all outrun to the will of God. For this is wisdom. When you see an infinite being, you might be able to grasp that he can get you where you want to go. He can get you what you want to have. He can get you out of any situation that you may or may not have gotten yourself into. That's God's offer. It's God's offer who will to those who will walk out of death into life, life everlasting, the state of righteousness. In Greek, the state of righteousness literally means the ways pleasing to God. The ways pleasing to God. That is righteousness. 
So how can you tell, right? Well, how can you know which ways are pleasing to the Lord God of Israel? Which ways, what things, what actions, what thoughts Christians, we as Christians should not be partaking in? What should be far from us and what should be near to us? This is extremely important, right? This is why it is a great idea to begin reading your Bible and studying it. What were the prophets doing? What were they like? Were they horrible tyrants going around, flinging their power left and right, abusing it, persecuting people? Absolutely not. The prophets, you see, they loved God. And in that love of God, it brought them to study God, to pray to God, to worship God, and gain insight into what God's true nature is. And God is a wise, all-knowing God. He knows what is in your heart. He knows the depths of your deepest, darkest desires. And so if you've got those in there, right, and you're saying, well, the 99% of me, hey, well, I'm here, God. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I've got this 99%. That's good enough for you. Well, God is going to say, no, that's not good enough. It has to be 100%. You cannot be 99% love and, and godliness, and 1% of you wants to start a death cult. Nope. It won't work. God won't build it up. He won't accept it. You see, Cain and Abel, the story of Cain and Abel, why Cain got angry and slew his brother Abel, was that Cain's offering, Cain and Abel brought offerings to God. And now while Abel brought a pure, holy offering out of the goodness of his own heart, out of the goodness of his own spirit, the depths of his soul, which only the Lord God of Israel himself can fathom as its own creator out of the goodness of his soul out of a pure spirit Cain Abel pardon me brought that offering and it was accepted by God and so Cain unrighteous and still clinging on to the ways of the world foolishly he also brought an offering to God thinking oh well the other guy, the other guy got it accepted. Well, I'm going to get it accepted too. It's going to be great. And lo and behold, with sin attached to the offering, not always will it be accepted. Not always. But if you bring God a pure and righteous offering, you can be the least of the least. You can be the lowest man ever created, the, the worst woman ever created whatever. You could be a sheep. You could be a dog. If you bring that offering in pure righteousness, in 100% righteousness to the Lord God of Israel, I guarantee you, he will accept it. And yes, the the bar of 100% righteousness is obtainable, right? Now, while it is not factually 100% righteousness, i.e. literally 100% righteousness, it is the bar that is needed the point of salvation is obtainable by all mankind. If you lay down your life, if you lay down your own ways, if you will 
Surrender your own ways to the Lord God of Israel. He will lift you up. He will exalt you just as he did with the prophets, just as he did with King David. But it's not a lack of, lacking of faith where you think, oh, well, it's not happening. So, hey, uh, I think I'll take my faith and throw it out the window. No, that's, that's not how it works. Right? It's putting faith. It's putting all your trust. It's stepping out on the waters with God and trusting, hey, if I drowned, if I drowned because of this, so be it. It's knowing that God is with you. It's understanding through faith that God will not fail you. He will lift you up. He will lead you to the good ways, but you have to walk them. The teaching of don't strive is opposite to the Bible. It's opposite to the fourth commandment specifically. Fourth commandment, thou shalt work six days a week, keep the seventh day holy, right? So how if you're working six days a week, are you not striving, right? And understanding this is important, right? Because if you didn't have that knowledge, if you didn't have that teaching, that commandment with you and knowledge of it, right? Someone could tell you, someone could tell you. And this is what the Apostle Paul warns about. He warns about teachers leading people astray. Taking their lives and damaging their lives, dragging their lives through the mud, dragging their lives through lie, lies and poison and suffering and saying, hey, I don't care. That's what they do. They don't know it. They don't know it. Uh, not, <clears throat> not the way you know it as if you're doing it face to face with a person. But they see their fruit. They see their fruit and something in them tells them that there's something a little bit wrong. There's something a little bit off. Maybe the wrath of God comes down upon them and they say, oh, it couldn't be that. Oh, no way am I. It, I, I couldn't possibly be out of alignment with the Lord God of Israel, but not so with us. With Christians, we love the discipline of God. King David says, let a righteous man strike me on my head. That is oil for my, for my head. King David loves to be hit by righteous men, because indeed, unless you are way out of alignment with the Lord God of Israel, unless you are standing polar opposite to the Lord God of Israel, a righteous man will not strike you. And this is the discipline of God. When you are walking towards death, when you are walking towards disaster, lo and behold, out of his own goodness, the shepherd he sends a messenger. He sends an angel. Then he sends the prophets. Then those men will come to the gate and they will say, maybe try raising someone from the dead. Try raising someone from the dead. Maybe that will convince them. To this, Christ replies, they will not listen to the prophets, even if someone is raised from the dead. They shall not turn. Understanding the ways of God, understanding that God is doing things for your good, understanding that God is doing things for a purpose, that's wisdom. Part of Christianity is trusting God. You have to indeed trust that God is a good God, that he's not tricking you or leading you into some point of despair in your life, right? But it is a co-laboring 
So sometimes you have to accept, yeah, I really blew my, my part of the covenant in that area of my life. Pretty bad, God. I need some help, right? It's not a fairy tale wand where you say, hey, God, I haven't worked all my life. My finances are, are in, the, in the mud, and I want you to tap my bank account with the magic wand, and boom, that's how it works. Well, that's not how it works at all, right? God needs you to work. He needs you to obey his covenant. Then he comes and helps, right? And sometimes before that, oftentimes way before that, Christ shows up and is helping people deepen their sin to get out of their sin. That is who God is. He reaches into the mud, into the depths of sin and pulls people out, lifts people out. But if a church is not lifting people out of sin, if a church is watching its flock suffering and not doing anything about it, it's no church of the Lord. And the gate was shut. And it will not reopen. No matter how much they fast, no matter how much they pray, it will not open. Why? Because they're out of alignment with the Lord God of Israel and His holy ways. They're out of alignment with the ways that produce good and love. They're out of alignment with the flow of the river that goes out into the ocean, right? Into the infinite ocean of good. If you're not producing good, you got to work on it, right? That is why we call it practicing Christianity. We're working on our Christianity. We're realizing, we're looking at areas of our lives and saying, hey, you know, I'm really careless with my words. Oftentimes, people people get offended by things I say. Well, the Bible says, coat your words. Let no bitterness, rage, slander come out of your mouths, right? No unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Proceed out of your mouths, right? So... Understanding that these principles, you have to take them, you have to put them together into a full covenant, right? It's not just, oh, I read, I read uh, John 3.16. I read John 3.16. Now I'm in heaven. Well, John 3.16, right, <laughs> is, is the next verse I go over, actually. Uh, it is indeed faith. It is not just, I believe the answer to 2 plus 2 is 8. Nope. <laughs> That's not going to cut it. But if you have faith, if you have faith that God will get you there, yeah, that's the power of God. But faith implies you having it, not just some belief. I believe it's a balloon off in the distance. Bad news, it was an airplane. Nope. And so... Faith is required by God. Faith is the beginning of righteousness. That altar call where you step down and you surrender your life to God, when you ask Christ to come and fill your temple, to fill the temple with righteousness, to fill the temple, to fill the tabernacle with God's holy presence, well, that's a start. Not all who call to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not all who call to me, 
Not all who pray to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Faith involves surrender. Faith is righteousness. Without righteousness, there is no faith. And without faith, there is no righteousness. So, what is faith all about? It's all about love. Blessing other people. Helping other people. Teaching other people. Guiding other people. Building other people up. Showing them the good ways. Showing them God's ways. Showing them how they can adopt God's, God's ways into their life. Understanding this is the beginning of Christianity. You have to let go of the old ways. You have to let your old person die. Die. It has to be gone. And it takes some time, but if you keep fighting, you'll get there. That is the power of God. There is nothing in all existence that can stop the Lord God of Israel from saving you as long as you keep walking. As long as you keep walking and you have faith, I guarantee you, you will enter the kingdom of heaven. But faith implies righteousness, right? Faith implies you with God. Not, <laughs> I believe that I'm doing good as I am <clears throat> not doing good. No. That's not enough. So understanding this is extremely important, right? <sighs> many, uh, many translations of the Bible you will get you in the ballpark. They'll get you in the ballpark. Believe well. Believe believing in something. I believe I'm believing in God. Well, that is indeed faith, right? But just believing is not enough. Faith without action is dead faith. What good is it if I give a man a spiritual meal, but give him no material meal? And so faith is love. It's all about loving each other, learning how to love, learning how to love better, learning how to comfort and nurture each other, lead each other, build each other up. And lo and behold, this will make a strong community. This will make a strong city. This will make a strong nation and indeed an unstoppable world. Understanding this is understanding God. It's understanding the power of the ways of God when you apply them to the lives of God's children. When you apply them to the lives of your friends, when you apply them to your own life. So when you see people who are not otherworldly in their love, right, divine, divinely loving, they're baby Christians. They don't really understand what's going on. They might be lost and they might not never make it. They might not ever make it into the kingdom of heaven. In order to make it into heaven, you have to get your ways out and get the ways of love in. Actual, factual love, not I thought she was cute, so I went out with her and broke her heart. No, that's not love. 
that's a fleeting fancy. It's not, my family needs me to work, so forget it. I'm not going to work. I'm going to go do something else. It's, shoot, I have to lay down my life. I have to go help my family. It's not the person on the street needs help. I'm going to walk on by them. Who cares about them? It's stopping and helping the person, even the lowest of us, even the least of us. What you do unto the least of me, you do unto me. And so the production and connectivity of fruit and sin is widespread indeed. You have to understand that it requires more than just thinking good thoughts. It requires actually being those good thoughts. It requires manifesting those good thoughts out into existence. And when you start doing this, when you start giving the love, that reckless love of Jesus Christ that chases, chases people down, that goes and dies for them, that goes and does whatever it takes, whatever necessary to reach down into the sin and rip them out of the hands of the devil and bring them into the life of God, that is the beginning of understanding just the tip of the iceberg. Just the tip of the iceberg of what God is offering, of what God has already given his servants. It is love. It is all about the love of Jesus Christ. 90% of the love. So when you see people, right, if you see people, if they've scarred you, they've hurt you, are they, are they Christian or are they Christians just in word? Because Christianity cannot be expressed in words. I cannot call myself Christian. Indeed, I have to be a Christian. It is not calling myself a Christian that makes me a Christian. It is the surrender of the ways of the world into the taking up of the cross of righteousness that is Christianity. And without that cross of righteousness, you're not Christian at all. All right, guys, I think that's where I'm going to end the stream for the day. Blessings on you all. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great one.